0: Hi, everybody. Welcome. It's the Osprey Observer and Osprey Observer TV with me as always, Marie Gilmore. We have got another show with a fantastic interview. And if you haven't figured it out by now, we love dogs. And so we brought another dog-based business. But uh, this one uh, is just absolutely amazing. It's a rescue organization. It's a training organization. Uh, It's just unbelievable. And uh, Marie has that interview. Let's check it out.
1: Today, we've got a really fun interview. One of our best employees, Denise Graff, who's been our graphic designer for almost over 13, 14, almost going on 15 years here at the Austria Observer, recently moved. (coughs) And she contacted me and let me know she has a really neat new neighbor, who is Michael Kurtz with Kurtz Canines, who raises, trains, and has just a bushel of huskies at his house, (laughs) And actually, it does some really interesting things with Husky Rescue and PSTD training. So I'm so excited to have you on today, Michael. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Tell me how you got into training Huskies and a little bit about your business.
2: So I got into training Huskies um, really just as a result of um, what happens so so often, especially in America, where there's you know a television show or whatever. Um, with a dog, and then everybody it, you know, across the country wants that dog, right? We saw it with the 101 Dalmatians, and, um, but there's been a bunch of different husky shows over the past few years, whether it's 8 Below um, or, of course, Game of Thrones, right? Everybody wants to have a dire wolf. So um, the problem with all of that is, while so many dogs can be great pets, not every dog is a perfect fit for every household. So there are just way 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 too many huskies and husky mixes out uh, available right now because people get them when they're cute little puppies without understanding what the breeds really like so I've been training and working with dogs um, since I was a teenager um, but there's a real need right now for this particular breed to find good homes find forever homes um, and and you know and not, not end up in shelters and that kind of stuff so um, that's what got me into the husky side of it was really just the the the, the overabundance of huskies that were available and doing that I also found that huskies have a bu- a, a bunch of bad reps and some of them they earn um, but they aren't for really good but often misunderstood reasons uh, Rowan didn't like that comment
1: <laughs> um, was this right here
2: <laughs> so that they're a very high energy and also very highly intelligent animal and that tends to get them in a lot of trouble so if they're not in a household that's um, that's treating that intelligence or rewarding that intelligence in the right way, they're going to find really bad ways to, to get it out. So you hear horror stories of Huskies tearing up couches, you know, in a matter of a couple hours or chewing their way through their cage and, or picking on, on other animals. And those are all things that kind of happen because we don't understand how Huskies really need to be, taken care of. If you give them the right environment, they end up being wonderful pets. Um, so when working with them there, I also found that they've, um, they've actually turned out to be really, really good service dogs. Because when you give them a reason to do something and a purpose in that energy, um, they use all of that inquisitiveness and that desire to be part of a pack and, and, and help the pack, to really help out their their service human. Um, so it's been a great match, but not one that you typically hear about. So um, we're trying to get the word out on that and, and make it a, a useful way for these dogs to get their forever homes.
1: Okay, so you run a rescue and how many Huskies do you have?
2: <laughs> um, I get that question a lot and I always answer two. Um, too many and too few. (laughs) (laughs) It really depends if I've got, um, you know, to do a a service training, especially for something like, like PTSD um, that takes a lot of one-on-one time. So my numbers will go up or down depending what I have. Um, I do, I I work with several different rescues and then I do the fostering and rehab for them. So I'll take a, a pup in from a rescue, do whatever training that, that, needs to be done on it to rehab it and make it a good candidate for a home, whether we're doing a service home or a regular home. Um, I'll do that work with them and then we'll place them with their forever home and I'll help them with that placement and acclimation in there. So, you know, sometimes I've got an extra three and sometimes it's just down to, to me and my little personal pack of girls.
1: Okay. And how many girls are the,
2: are there? I have four with me right now. I've got, um, then all the ones that I have with me right now are either service, um, service trained or they're in, um, in training to be service trained. So all of my girls are, um, are first and foremost therapy dogs. So helping, um, whether we're just going to a nursing home, which we haven't been able to do because of COVID, um, we going to schools to, to, you know, to show the kids how to work with dogs and how to approach dogs and how to deal with a strange dog and those types of things. Um, or if we're going to, I actually have clients who have fears of dogs, who are afraid of, of dogs. And so these therapy dogs um, know how to approach people in the right way that it doesn't scare them off. So it'll help me with with that. So there's a couple of psychiatrists that I work with, both for the certifications for, um, for service, but then also who have patients who have problems with animals and fear of dogs. And so I'll work with them to help with that conditioning too.
1: Oh, are we going to see a Husky here?
2: Oh. <coughs> she wants to come up. There's no this is my well, Aria.
1: And Huskies are not typically thought of as a typical Florida dog, are they? Yeah. I think of Alaska and colder yep. climates. and But do they yes. do fine in Florida? Are they fine they in the
2: heat? Do, they absolutely do. In fact, they do better than some of the short-haired dogs. Um, what's a, huskies are an amazing breed. They, they have a double coat um, and their undercoat acts like insulation. And it's just like the insulation in, in, in your in your house. So it keeps you cool in the summer and it keeps you warm in the winter. Um, they blow that coat out at least once, sometimes twice a year. Um, and when they blow it out, they lose every stitch of that hair. It's, it looks like it's snowed even here in Florida. Um, but they, their outer coat then has this ultraviolet Um, protection in it. So it helps reflect the sun rays off. So depending what the season is, they can absorb the sun in and warm themselves up, or they can reflect it off and stay cool. Um, They've got hair between the pads of their toes. And so they'll get that in the water. And then um, that helps cool them down. So they've got ways to kind of regulate their body heat through insulation and through like built-in radiators um, that, that are just nature provided. So they actually do a whole lot better self-regulating in Florida than, than some of the short haired dogs that get sunburn um, or any of those other problems. So yeah, they, they are well adapted to the summer heat. You got to make sure they've got water available to them. Um, my girls have a kitty pool they can play in, <laughs> but as long as they've got plenty of water, they do wonderfully down here.
0: Now, if you don't mind, give us a little bit of backstory on you, uh, specifically why Huskies. Uh, you know, they I mean, I love big dogs. I grew up with big dogs and uh, can't wait to have another one. Uh, but specifically, what drew you to this breed? So Huskies, specifically mostly because of, of, of the need out in
2: the, you know, in the community, because there are so many of them that, that need homes right now. But if you've ever had a Husky, um, it, it, it's it's pretty easy to answer that question. There's just something about them that is is so unique um, and just so lovable, and and they get to be a bit of a problem because if you have one, it it, it it's just a natural thing to want to try to find another one, um, and another one, and another one. So um, that's part of where where we get them from the rescue too. Are people that have gotten you know one more and one more and one more and end up with. 10 or 12 or 20 and, and need some help um, finding good homes for them. Uh, but that's really what brought me into Huskies specifically was, was the need that there were so many of them um, out and available looking for homes. Um, and then once I got into it, I just, I, I fell in love with them. Then finding out that they are so good for, um, for service careers, despite um, all of the misinformation that, you know, they're too high energy or, or they can't go off leash, that type of thing. Um, it, it really gave me an opportunity to present Huskies in a different light. Um, and that's also where we got into the, the PTSD training. Um, we've got a lot of servicemen and women coming back from, from overseas, and there's um, a, it's more and more common for um, for them to get diagnosed with PTSD. We're not really as ashamed as we used to be with those kind of diagnoses. Um a companion dog can be a great helper for, for those folks. Um, it just creates a boundary between them and the rest of society. So they can go out to the grocery store and the focus is on the dog, not the, you know, not, not the vet. Um, so Huskies have proven to be really, really adept at that kind of service because they're pack oriented. And I think there's also just kind of a connection between, you know, a, a, a military type person, um, somebody that that's been in, um, you know, in, 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 a troop or depending on, on, on their, their fellow soldiers and that pack mentality that's in, in a Husky because they're so close to, you know, to nature still. Um, so it's just been a really good blend. Um, as long as we do the conditioning the right ways. Um, it does take a lot to get a Husky to pay attention to what you want them to pay attention to, to not want to chase every bird and squirrel and, um, you know, another other thing that they see because they're really, really interested. But that awareness also makes them really, really good service dogs because they're aware of everything around. So they see it before the human sees it. And if they see it, then they approach it. And again, they create that boundary between the human that they're servicing and the rest of the world. And it lets that human go out and be a part of society without being sworn by society.
0: Well, I think you hit on something important, which is uh, again a misnomer that's out in the you know I think just out in society that you know most service dogs are typically bred as puppies, and uh, what I've found you know not only with your organization you know but I know of a couple others that actually turn rescue dogs into service dogs, that's and uh, and and so you you know you can teach the old dog new tricks. Uh, that's in right. the, you know and. And it's a win-win, right? Because you get the win for the service member, you know, and then you get the win for the dog who's going to have a, a home that appreciates them.
2: That's right. I have a client now who's a Vietnam veteran. He actually brought, um, he brought the dog to me. So he, he got a dog from, um, from Humane Society. And it looks like it's a full-bred husky. Um, he's a beautiful, beautiful dog. Um, very well behaved, but he's, he's at least six or seven years old. Um, so yeah, definitely an older dog, but this, this dog is, is working out wonderfully as a service companion for him. Um, yeah, there's no such thing as you can't teach an old dog, new tricks. Dogs learn every day of their lives. Um, we just don't realize we're teaching them.
1: Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing a little bit about your rescue and your training company with our viewers. We'll definitely put a contact below. Just one final question I want to ask you. If somebody is interested, they think they have someone who would benefit from having a companion dog, yep. and they want to contact you and find out more information, what would the process be, and how long would it take, would you say?
2: So it, we have to involve um, a, a psychiatrist in the process. So okay. um, it's actually the person who gets um, who gets the prescription. So the dogs get certified. They go through through certain things, but this dog can do... Um, And wear whatever it wants. It's the person who has to have a prescription from the doctor that says you need a service animal for these conditions. Um, So that needs to be part of the process. The dog part of the process. I work with them on an individual basis. So um, I usually have rescues that I'm working with that I can get a dog from or I have one that I've been working with just waiting for, for somebody to come in. Um, or as in the case with the, the, the vet I just talked about, they'll bring them to me. Um, the process really depends how long or what kind of training we're doing with them. PTSD training we can do in really just a, a few months. Um, some of the other certifications, um, the medical certifications, the ones that can smell when a diabetic is, is hypoglycemic or something like that, that takes quite a bit longer because that's set training on top of service training on top of behavioral training. Um, So it really depends. But the answer is always, yeah, reach out to me. I'm happy to help guide people through the process because there's a lot of misunderstanding between capital S service dogs and ESA animals. And there's a lot of misinformation out on the Internet about how um, what can be an ESA animal and how you become an ESA animal. Um, Short story there you don't have to buy a certificate or a badge from the internet to have a service animal, but what you should do is talk to a trainer about what that really means and what your animal should do. So, um, always reach out. I'm happy to answer those questions. Um, and we do regular, just obedience training too. In fact, that's the bulk of, of of our business is just, um, especially now that people are home with their dogs, suddenly (laughs) they want them to behave. So (laughs) we're doing a lot of just sit, stay and, you know, and, and sit by my feet. Don't jump on my lap the whole time because I need to work. So um, we're happy to do any of that. And I'm happy to answer questions from the website anytime.
1: Well, then we'll definitely put people in contact with you. Thank you so much for what you do for the members of our community. And it's been a pleasure and you have beautiful Huskies.
0: Thank so you so much. A
1: little bit about them with us today.
0: It's great. I appreciate to- the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks again to Michael Kurtz with Kurtz Canine Dog Obedience Training, and after doing a couple of episodes here with dogs in them, I I've got the COVID puppy fever myself. Uh, he's got an amazing organization there. And again, for more information on his uh, company, make sure to check out the description, uh, and the links provided here in the video, uh, Marine, uh, again, we're, we're slowly getting things back to normal. Um, you know, the businesses are starting to open back up, uh, and then you have this amazing program that could actually help in a big way. You know, some of these local businesses that we love, what do you have going on?
1: Absolutely. We've got about 10 days left of our Oscar Observer marketing grant application. We've been getting applications in every day and we're offering up to $1,000 worth of marketing, worth of print advertising, social media, online help for the local small businesses who've been affected by COVID-19 closures and quarantine restrictions. So we'd love to help. We're here. We are going to print out all the applications on June 30th, and we're going to issue multiple grants out to the community to help some of the local businesses get some marketing and get their businesses back on their feet. So we appreciate everyone who's already applied. Please feel free to email me directly at editor at ospreyobserver.com if you'd like a link to the grant, but the grant application is online and we would love to get some more applications in.
0: Yeah, and I can't think of a single business that couldn't use a good kickstart right now after this uh, quarantine lockdown. And so make sure you guys apply. Again, the link to uh, Marie's email will also be in the description. And uh, thank you so much for watching. It's been another episode of Osprey Observer TV. On behalf of Marie Gilmore and the Osprey Observer, I'm Johnny Torres. Thank you so much for watching and see you next time.